I want you to take full advantage of the players that you currently have on your roster. And what I mean by this is there's some guys who are producing at levels they can't sustain and you should sell them right now at a high price point. These are the guys you need to trade away before week six. And we'll start in Pittsburgh with the Steelers number one wide receiver for right now who is healthy in George Pickens who is coming off of a monster second half against the Ravens. And let's add some context to that monster second half. Overall in the game, he has 10 targets. He posts nearly 30 fantasy points. He goes for over 146 total yards. The game winning touchdown down the right sideline at the end. It was a great game for Pickens. We can expect some of these boom weeks from George Pickens, but we can't expect it to be consistent because of this Steelers team. Right now, Kenny Pickett ranks 31st in true completion percentage. He's 31st in deep ball completion percentage and dead last out of any quarterback to take the field this year in efficiency. Not only that, but the Pittsburgh Steelers offense ranks 32nd in passing this year. I mean, we've seen some bad offenses. If you've watched any of the games or the New England Patriots are out there or the New York Giants, it has been bad. The Steelers, they're worse than that. So look, this is nothing against Pickens. I liked him last year coming out. If it wasn't for the ACL tears in college, he would have been a first round pick. He is great, but the environment is brutal. I mean, this is how good this guy is. Through five games, he's been able to sustain top 20 wide receiver production. He is averaging 15 points per game. That is the wide receiver 19 overall, according to player profiler, despite this brutal situation that he's in. But the issue is Deontay Johnson returns in one to two weeks or so, and it's going to mean a tougher target competition for Pickens. Pickens targets drop by over 15% when Deontay is active. So I would sell Pickens off this massive week and look to sell him for somebody like Nico Collins, Michael Pittman, or Raheem Mostert. Now the next man up is Christian Watson of the Green Bay Packers. He actually returned in week four on Thursday night football against the Lions, but he was limited, only ran 48% of the routes coming back from a hamstring injury. But in week five, the Packers played on Monday night football. So even more time for Christian Watson to prepare and get healthy. And look, he got his full-time rollback, 49 of 58 snaps, 29 routes run, and he earned a team high seven targets in this game was basically the wide receiver one once again. And the production was solid given everything that transpired in this game. The seven targets, he ended up putting up 91 yards. But if you watch this game and it was in prime time, so you probably, or maybe you saw some highlights, his 12 fantasy points are solid. The 91 yards are really fluky. He had over 70 of these yards on one broken play where he was just wide open in the secondary. And it could have been even better. He was going to walk into the end zone, but got horse collar tackled down and then the Packers settled for a field goal. So it was a good penalty to take. But without that fluky play, he would only add like two catches for 20 yards in this game because Jordan Love was not good, completing just 16 of 30 passes. I mean, that's basically 50% completion percentage, 182 yards, three interceptions, one of the worst games of a quarterback this entire season. And now so far in the season, he ranks 29th in quarterback grades, right around guys like Bryce Young and Desmond Ritter, who have not been good for the majority or all of the year. Now, the clear issue in this game for Jordan Love week five was Max Crosby was destroying the Packers offensive line and in the backfield almost every play. But we've seen Jordan Love struggle now for about a month straight since the Bears game week one, where he faced a bad defense and went off. Since then, he's struggled to throw downfield. He struggled to throw with anticipation. Really, this matchup was against a bottom 10 Raiders secondary, and he still couldn't get it done coming into this game. And there's even further concerns for a guy like Christian Watson because there's nobody coming to save the day. Now, I don't think the Packers are anywhere near right now benching Jordan Love, but if two to three more weeks go on how he's been playing, there might start to be some questions of putting the other rookie, a rookie in here, fifth round pick, who's probably overdrafted out of Penn State and Sean Clifford in. And let me tell you something, that's not going to be great news if anybody watched him at Penn State for Mr. Christian Watson. So take advantage of the game where Christian Watson goes for 90 plus receiving yards and trade him away for somebody like T. Higgins or Isaiah Pacheco. The next man up is going to be Drake London, the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver who in week five, look, he had a respectable day. London went out there and put up nearly 15 fantasy points. He had six catches for 78 yards, solid performance on nine targets. Okay, so what's the issue here? Well, the reason why this performance is a little bit disappointing is because we have to add more context about what the entire offense did. In this game, Desmond Ritter had the best game of his NFL career, maybe the best game he'll have all season 
Long, where he goes for 329 yards. He completes 28 of 37 passes. That's 76% of his passes. So knowing this, it makes London's performance look, oh, this is all he did. 15 points, no touchdowns, no 100-yard game when Ritter does this. The way that this offense plays, it's likely that they'll only be able to sustain one weapon each week. And this past week, it was Kyle Pitts. And the emergence of Jonu Smith is making it even harder for the second guy in the offense to get by. So now through five games this season, Drake London ranks just 42nd in wide receiver usage. And that's not great based on where you draft him in fantasy this year, probably definitely as a top 30 receiver, but most likely as a top 25 receiver in like round five or six of your draft. He's not currently being used like that. And we're basically a third of the way through the season or so. And despite the strong passing day for Desmond Ritter in week five, the Falcons still rank 31st in the NFL in passing offense, only ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers, as we talked about earlier. These are some really bad offenses that you can't trust. And like I said, this might be the best game of the entire year for Ritter. And now here's a major concern. Only 62% of London's targets have been catchable this year, ranking 85th in the NFL. So this makes things even more challenging. We can't bank on heavy volume for London. And when he is seeing some targets, nearly 40% of them he can't even catch. And we know that 37 pass attempts that we saw this past week aren't going to keep up. The Falcons rank dead last. I have this filtered backwards. That's why they're popping up as number one. Dead last in pass rate over expectation, meaning that in really all situations, this team, when it's a neutral or one score game, they're looking to run the ball. Now you probably already knew that. So I'd be trying to trade away a guy like Drake London for Tyler Lockett or Jameer Gibbs. Now, before we get into the next running back, you need to trade away, make sure to hit the subscribe button because over 70% of people who watch these videos, believe it or not, are not subscribed. So if that's you take two seconds, hit the subscribe button. It will help you see my future content. Now the running back you want to trade away is Alexander Madison, who look in week four, his first game with Cam Akers, he saw solid usage. In week four, Madison played 66% of the snaps and commanded by far the majority of the carries 74 percent of the rush attempts he had 18 total opportunities to just seven for cam Akers in Akers' debut and he was efficient something that he really hasn't done the last two to three years is remain efficient per touch you know average over four and a half to five and a half yards per touch he did that in this game 18 touches for 98 yards this was all great to see but then week five happened and in week five all of the usage dropped for madison he goes from playing 66 percent of the snaps to 53 percent 74 percent of the rushing attempts to a major drop down seeing less than half of them at just 47%. Now, Madison still saw the majority of the touches in the backfield, but his fullback, CJ Hams, took a large chunk of his passing game work. And Cam Akers was still involved, seeing 40% of the early down snaps, which is the most that any running back has seen behind Madison this season. Now, Madison salvaged his week five by scoring a receiving touchdown because he didn't do much else. He only had 10 total touches for under 50 yards. So that touchdown got him there and keeps him having some value when people are looking at his recent fantasy point performances in his game logs and box scores. It gives him a little bit of trade bait still here now the issue for madison is he basically needs to rely on touchdowns right now so he needs his offense to get to the red zone but that might not be happening anytime soon because justin jefferson is going on ir he'll miss at least four weeks jeff Mueller is projecting him to return back in week 10 so this isn't great for the offense it's going to make it harder for them to move the ball and get to the red zone and if they get down in games who knows we already just saw it last week when that happened against the Chiefs. cj ham the fullback got more involved on passing downs that would hurt madison yet again and for what it's worth madison ranks just 35th in yards created per touch now this isn't absolutely awful, but it's definitely not good. And it means that Cam Akers can slowly earn more work these next couple of weeks if Madison can't do anything on his touches. So I'd be looking to trade Madison, but don't do it this week. Do it after this week. Because this week, the Vikings take on the Bears on the road. And this would be the week where you can maybe get a one to two touchdown performance, a 15 to 20 plus point game out of Alexander Madison, which makes his trade value even higher before he starts to see some tough matchups against the Vikings, against the Falcons. You scroll more against the Saints. So wait until after this week to trade out. 
Alexander Madison. And you actually want to hold this next veteran wide receiver, even though I've gotten a ton of questions, should I be trading DeAndre Hopkins? My answer to that question is simply no. He just had his best game in a very long time, and there was a reason for it that is encouraging. Now, more on that encouraging reason in a second, but here's what he did. He puts up over 20 fantasy points against a Colts defense that plays a lot of his own coverage. He dominated it. Eight catches, 140 yards, 11 targets. He finally, finally looked good. And like I said, there's a reason for it. These are his route participations by week, as you can see right here in the first column. Week one, he was healthy. He played 90% of the routes, but then he got hurt at the end of week one, and he was limited the next basically month of the season. 72% of the routes, 83% of the routes, just 69% of the routes. He wasn't healthy. Very quietly, the past month of the season, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been healthy. In week five, he finally was playing nearly every single snap and route. 97% of the routes led to 34% of the targets. So yes, it did go under the radar that he wasn't operating at 100% health the past month. And in his two games where he's been healthy, he's earned a total of 23 targets. Now, Hopkins does have a couple of tough matchups at home this week against the Ravens, and then he'll face the Falcons. But after that, it starts to lighten up. The Steelers, bottom five secondary. A Bucks, bottom 10 secondary. The Jaguars, bottom five secondary. The Panthers, bottom 10 secondary. This is a player that you want to be holding because over the next six weeks, he could be a top 10 receiver. And for what it's worth, he quietly ranks eighth best at earning targets per route. So he still has the juice. And his targets are the fantasy cheat code targets being red zone and downfield deep targets of 20 plus yards. He currently has six deep targets, five red zone targets. That combination of 11 fantasy cheat code targets ranks top 10 amongst receivers. So hold off on trading Hopkins. You want to keep him after this big week. And now we have to have a difficult conversation about one of my favorite, my favorite breakout running back for the season in James Cook. He's been solid so far, but these past two weeks are a little bit concerning. And it all started in week four, where you can see right here in week four, his snaps went down, but more importantly, his routes run. He only ran 31% of the team routes, which was 20%, more than 20% less than his season average up until this point. And that's a big part of his game, catching passes and earning targets. It was actually Latavius Murray who ran more routes and had more targets than James Cook in this game. And there wasn't any injury to Cook. That's just what they went with. Now, Cook ended up salvaging that game in week four because he had a 48-yard reception on his only targeting catch. And he ended up finding the end zone, but he wasn't efficient, just 12 carries for 29 yards on the ground. And then week five happened when Buffalo had to travel to Jacksonville. They basically trailed the entire game and just five carries for negative four total yards for James Cook isn't good. Now, of course, they were trailing the whole game, so I know he's not going to get as many carries, but he also didn't see elite passing game usage. He only saw 38% of the third down passing game usage. And the main reason for this is because Buffalo is continuing to use three running backs, and those other guys are starting to see more usage. As you can see right here, over the past two weeks of the season, Latavius Murray has played 26% of the snaps, and if we drop down to Damian Harris, his snaps have increased. He's played 21% of the snaps. They're accounting for nearly 50% of the snaps now, so James Cook is going from seeing 65% of the snaps now down to about 50% these past two games and during those two games he's averaging just 10 and a half opportunities per contest instead of closer to 18 to 19 that he had the first three weeks of the season but look this is not the time you want to trade him he's in this video for a reason and we'll get to that in a second but you don't want to trade him off a five-point game you need to sell him off of a good performance so you get more in return and that good performance should be this week where the bills are 14 point favorites against the Giants who their run defense ranks 30th in the NFL they are a bottom five run defense this would be the week if any for James Cook to go out there and have a 15 plus point game, maybe get back into the 100 total yard category. And then when he has more difficult matchups coming up, you can look to trade him. And I'd be looking to get something good back in return, like a Kyron Williams coming off of a down week, like an Aaron Jones, who owners are frustrated with that they haven't had him healthy since the beginning of week one. Now, the next man up is an Eagles tight end. It's the first tight end that we're talking about in this video, and it's going to be Dallas Goddard, who coming into this week, week five, he had under 10 fantasy points in every single game. But then in week five alone, he goes for eight catches, 117 yards, nine targets. He posts over 20 
fantasy points. He had more fantasy points in week five than he did through weeks one through four combined. And it was pretty obvious if you watch this game that the Eagles were trying to get him involved, almost forcing him to be involved after he was targeted three times on the opening scripted plays. Now look, Goddard's usage has been strong this season. He's ran 91% of the routes, earning 18% of the targets. That's pretty good for a tight end. You would like to see that number closer to 22 to 24% based on where you drafted him, but 91% of the routes is very good participation. But here's the issue for Dallas Goddard. So far this season, he ranks just 32nd in target rate amongst tight ends, which is his targets per route run. And this is what it means. Right now, he's earning a target on just 14% of his routes. So this number last year was 22%. The year before that, it was 26%, a massive drop-off. And there's a few reasons this is happening. First off, AJ Brown is playing the best football of his life, earning a career-high 33% of the targets, which is five to six more percent than he did last year. And the other reason is this right here. DeAndre Swift is earning 11% of the team's targets, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's more than double what Miles Sanders had in this offense last season as the lead back. So the takeaway is that Swift is soaking up those checkdowns and shorter passes where AJ Brown is dominating the intermediate parts of the field and Devonta Smith is still involved too. So it was already difficult for Dallas Goddard last season dealing with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. And now he has to deal with DeAndre Swift as well. This is just a guy that I want to sell high off of his good week five. Look to trade him for somebody like a T Higgins or a Chris Godwin. And also look to acquire the fantasy blueprint, which thousands of people are already using if your goal is to win your matchup this week and make the fantasy playoffs and win your league, this is for you. And this is what it includes. I'll be sending you these tools every single day of the week with updates throughout the week. The waiver wire tools, key stats database, rest of season rankings are massive for trades, which we're talking about in this video, projections and rankings, and the game by game matchup notes. And here's just a sample of those game by game matchup notes. It's for every single fantasy relevant player, all the starters on every team, and even some backups. You can scroll and you'll see the specific matchup against the cornerback, against the entire defense, how much weight advantage they have, size or speed advantage, what they've done on the season so far, key stats. All this is going to be in here. A nice, easy to read. You can break it down by game or by position. It is the most in-depth that you will find in the industry. And the fantasy blueprint is extremely simple to get. You just scan the QR code on the screen or click the link in the description below and follow the two simple steps. And these are the two simple steps that you'll see. Here's the thing I want to point out. It's just five bucks for the entire year, by the way. So pretty cheap price point. And the big thing is that's risk-free. So you'll get that $5 back if you don't make your fantasy playoffs. Again, 100% risk-free. You don't make the playoffs. It doesn't matter if there was an injury. No questions asked. You get your $5 back. So to get access to the fantasy blueprint that thousands of people are currently using, scan the QR card on the screen or click the link in the description below. And the next man I want to talk about is Brees Hall. And here's the thing. He is officially back after dropping 194 total yards on 25 touches this past week. And look, if you want to try and sell him high for like a top five or a top 10 running back or receiver the rest of the season, go for it. But me personally, I'm holding on to Brees Hall because his usage has finally increased to a point where he looks like the guy he was last year, which would have been a first round pick if he didn't have any injuries in fantasy football. Season high, 52% of the snaps. That's only going to increase. And a big one, season high, 76% of the rush attempts, by far a season high, 20% more than any other week. This has caused Dalvin Cook's usage to drop all five games. His snaps have decreased. He saw just 16% of the snaps in week five. And it was actually Michael Carter, the third string running back, who saw twice as many snaps as Dalvin Cook. He played 32% of the snaps, didn't really get any carries. His main thing this year has been running routes. He ran 52% of the routes in this game against the Denver Broncos. Now, ideally, in a perfect world, Brees Hall, as he gets healthier these next couple of weeks, will start to take those third down routes run and two-minute offense snaps away from Michael Carter. But I won't complain too much after he dropped almost 200 yards in this game without that usage on 25 touches. Now check this out. Through five games this season, Brees Hall is averaging 7.2 yards per touch. That's elite. It would have led the NFL last year. By the way, he led the NFL last year in that metric. The only guy better than him this year is Devon A-Chain, who's just been absolutely electric, averaging like 12 yards per touch. And here's the other crazy stat. Brees Hall has managed to be a top 24 running back despite a brutal offense, no Aaron Rodgers, him being limited, and only scoring one touchdown. Now Aaron Rodgers probably isn't coming back as much as they say he wants to come back soon, but with the more usage that he sees, the more touchdowns, even if this offense isn't good, he's going to back his way into like five or six 
this season. Now, here's the thing. If you're somebody who wants to sell high, this might be the time to do so because he has a brutal matchup this week against the Eagles. We just saw Kyron Williams have a brutal game in week five against the Eagles. But after that, if you just hold out for that game and maybe Brees Hall gets by in the receiving department or finds a touchdown, it's matchups that are great. Bottom five run defenses in the Chargers and Giants in a good matchup against the Raiders after that. So hold on to Brees Hall, in my opinion, or look to buy low on him if he struggles against a good Eagles defensive line this week. Now, the next man up is Gabe Davis, who has now had three top 20 wide receiver finishes in the past four games. So why is he on this list? Well, the production just isn't sustainable. Look at this right here, his receptions column. If you look at this number, one touchdown next to it, he's had a touchdown in each of his last four games, and that is propping up his receiving totals because he's only hit 100 or more yards and it was 100 flat in one game this season. It's all the touchdowns right now because he's really not earning targets at a great rate. This targets per route run is your ability to earn targets per route really shows how good of a receiver you are at getting open. It's just 15% on the season, as you can see down here. That's outside the top 85 receivers this year. Now, sometimes in the right offense, this can pay off for you like we've seen the past month with Gabe Davis having a touchdown in every single game because he's in a good offense with Josh Allen. But his role is basically a guy who's scoring deep touchdowns, which outside of like Tyree Kill, nobody does that consistently. And all of the underlying data for Gabe Davis isn't good. He's 98th at beating man coverage, 46th in yards after the catch, and 58th in expected fantasy points. And that last metric is important. 58th in expected fantasy points is basically saying, hey, based on his usage, he should be the wide receiver 58 in points right now, not the wide receiver 20 or wide receiver 19 that he is. Basically, he's like a borderline bench receiver in fantasy without all of this touchdown luck. So here's the deal. I would wait until after this good matchup against the Giants this week and then dish Gabe Davis away. Now let's go through some other quick hitters that I got a lot of questions on, and these are the most trending players for tradeaways. Yes, George Kittle to me is a tradeaway after, look, he didn't really do have a great game. He had three touchdowns. Don't get me wrong. That's great. But in terms of usage, just four targets in this game, just three catches. They all ended up going for touchdowns against Dallas. This is what's going to happen with George Kittle. He has a couple of monster two touchdown performances throughout the year, once, twice, maybe three times at most in the season. But other than that, he's not really getting you there. This offense runs through Christian McCaffrey and then the other options in Brandon Ayuk, Debo and Kittle kind of rotate after that. And Kittle is like last in line out of those names. Now, the next offense I want to talk about is the Bears and more namingly DJ Moore and Justin Fields who have gone off the last two weeks. I've said not to trade away Justin Fields heading into this past game, not to trade away DJ Moore heading into these great matchups, but the two great matchups against the Broncos and Commanders, the two best of the year that this team will have, they're now gone. They're going to have favorable matchups coming up against the Vikings this week, but it's nowhere near as good of the matchups. These would be the weeks to sell high on these guys if you wanted to right now. I would look to trade DJ Moore for somebody like a Jalen Waddle and Justin Fields for somebody like a Tua or at a different position, a Nico Collins. Now, I want to talk about the Cardinals backfield again because it seems like James Conner is going to miss some time, maybe go on IR by the time you're watching this and miss at least four weeks. We talked about Amari DiMarcado, Amari DiMarcado in the waiver wire video. Still think he's a fine ad, but Keontae Ingram has been hurt. When Keontae Ingram comes back, and it could be this week, who knows, it's probably going to be a 50-50 backfield. So while DiMarcado's stock is high, I would look to trade him. Try and swap him for really whatever you can get, even if it's just like a Tyler Boyd, another type of player who's just picked up off waivers. I'd rather have that asset. Now, we have talked a lot this season on the waiver wires and in other videos skyrocketing up the rankings about how good Josh Reynolds has been this year. And I like him. If you want to hold him, if you're in a deeper league and you just like him on your team, I think that's fine. He had another big week, 17 points, finds the end zone, 76 yards. He has been fantastic for this team. Even with a week where he scored zero points, he is still a top 25 receiver in points per game this year. But there was no Jameer Gibbs. There was no Amon Ross St. Brown last week. Jamison Williams is now involved. If you can get something back for Josh Reynolds, now is the time to do that. That's the name of this game. Picking guys up off the waivers two weeks ago and then selling them for more stable pieces a couple of weeks later. And this might be the ultimate case of that. We picked Zach Moss up off the waivers three to four weeks ago. He just had a massive game with Jonathan Taylor back and active. And if people actually think that he's going to keep up this usage, he might keep it up for a week or two with Jonathan Taylor snaps limited. But a month from now, it's really not going to matter. So sell high 
high on Zach Moss. I don't know if anybody's going to trade anything for you, but maybe, maybe there's some believers out there. So these are the guys that you want to trade away or hold some of them before week six. Getting them off your team will improve your team, but you got to get something back in return. And this video right here will show you who you should be trading for before next week's games begin. And now if you made it to the end and you're one of the 70% of people who are not subscribed, take two seconds to make sure you are subscribed. That will let you see my future content and helps us as we push towards 100,000 subscribers.